I was a chef. Uh, I'd never run a business. Knowing that, you know, you needed support from people that knew how to run a business and could show you how to run a business was really essential as well. I think, you know, that, you know, understanding that you don't have all the answers and, you know, there might be people that you need to get some advice from. We absolutely love celebrating milestones here at the Dirty Linen podcast. Uh, We love celebrating all kinds of milestones. It's great to celebrate a year of a restaurant's life. Today, we are celebrating 20 years of Movida Original in Hosier Lane, a Melbourne institution that people go back to again and again for its excellent Spanish food and awesome atmosphere. Uh, Today, we are speaking to founder and chef Frank Camora, who is just back from another trip to Spain. Frank, welcome to Dirty Linen. Uh, Danny, thank you for having me. How does it feel, 20 years? Um, kind of like middle-aged restaurant, <laughs> I guess. You know, you're like a, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful achievement to make 20 years. It's sort of, um, I guess, a feeling of, you know, satisfaction, but still like a long way to go. Oh, well, that, that's good to feel like, you know, a bit of freshness in amongst the institutional status. Um, tell us about, I mean, there's Movida Original, which is, you know, celebrating the milestone, but there are other, other Movidas. For people who haven't engaged with what you do, give us a sense of um, the scope of Movida these days. Um, so, Movida Original was obviously the original, as the name suggests, in uh, Hosea Lane. Um, and that sort of evolved a fair bit, I think, over the 20 years to sort of the, the most refined style of food and the most um, iconic sort of version of Movida. And then we opened Movida next door, I think, in around 2007, which is a more casual, which which I guess is like what we initially started Movida as, sort of a more of a classic tapas bar. Uh, and then we opened a, a larger um, format, Movida Key, which is just been recently renovated and um, that's been there well over 10 years, 12 or 13 years. And um, that's kind of like a, I don't know, a, a, a more rustic, but at the same time, um, I don't know how to, uh, just a, a bigger grown-up version of Movida, I guess. And we also have an outlet in Auckland as well, which um, we've had for a year and a half. And there's been other Movida outlets or locations over the years. Like, tell us about the ones that have, have come and gone. Uh, well, yeah, we've had a few hit and misses, that's for sure. Um, I guess, you know, the the one that stands out mostly is Movida Sydney. So, we had a restaurant in Surrey Hills, Sydney for a good five or six years, um, which was amazing, like a great experience. I moved there um, for about nine months or so. Um, and, you know, for the first three or four years, it went extremely well, but it slowly sort of started deteriorating. Um, and then we tried to move that into the CBD. That fell through and we ended up packing that up and um, moving back to Melbourne. Um, and we've had a couple of other Movitas, um one in, internationally in, in Bali, uh, which was magnificent. It was, um, you know, a great experience doing something overseas. Um, in fact, my head chef at Aki, 
uh, Mavita Aki, the previous head chef, has now opened a restaurant there, Santera Bali, which is um, doing really well. And yeah, interesting, like having something where it's a totally alien environment to cook in and ho- hold new range of ingredients. And um, yeah, that was, that was a great experience. We, we had a bakery, Mavita Bakery, which is um, Natively Road Bakery. Um, so Michael James, who's a fantastic baker, was running that for several years for us. And then he, um, and then he took on the business himself. My God, what else have we done? Um, uh, and Lawn, Movita Lawn as well, which um, we ran that for several years, three or four years. And um, uh, Merivale bought the, the hotel pub and we ran that under them for a year. And then, um, and then they've got a toddies there. So we've had, yeah, lots of different restaurants. Um, yeah, we've, yeah, obviously Melbourne-based um, and our yeah, cornerstone restaurant is Movita Original. Wow, it's so interesting. Um, I would love you to talk about the balance between presenting Spanish food in all the different ways that you do and being a restaurateur who's, you know, opening and closing businesses and I I assume making some pretty tough calls along the way. Like, how do you, um, yeah, play all those different roles? Um, well, I guess each of the restaurants always had its own identity. We never really tried to make a replica of, of any one thing. So, uh, you know, for me, even the aesthetics of the restaurants needs to change. It needs to sort of um, be impacted by its environment, by where it is, you know, the culture of the place. Um, and I think, you know, but saying that it needs to retain the essence of what a Spanish restaurant is. For me, you know, Mavita Original is a classic example. It's, you know, it's, it's a comedor, which is a dining room, and it's adjacent to a bar. And that's essential. You know, that is where the restaurant gets its vibe from, where it gets its energy. Um, and it's like, you know, classic maybe Italian restaurants, a trattoria, which we all recognize, a bistro for a French restaurant. So that style of Commodore and a bar is very essentially Spanish. So each of them have had that element and sort of an open kitchen of, for the theatre and and the energy. Um, but they've all had very different models of what they offer and how the aesthetics look. Um, so that's that's been important, that they have their own identity. Um, but, I mean, opening and closing, I mean, you know, you – uh, after a certain time, you sort of realise, you know, what you can achieve there and what you can't achieve. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes restaurants do have a, you know, a certain lifespan and they're not going to go any further. So you've got to make some tough decisions. But, you know, it's better to make those tough decisions earlier on than later on when, you know, that you're in a massive hole and, and you know, you can't sort of just walk away from it. So, I mean, given that, the fact that Movita Original has hit 20 years feels even more special. And, you know, I was there at the restaurant recently and it struck me how timeless it feels. I mean, the brick floors and that epic bar, like it just feels like it's been there forever and is going to be there forever. Um, Do you feel like, you know, there's something that you hit upon there from the beginning or have you, I guess... It has it changed much along the way. Um, I look, I think it's it's certainly evolved, but the, yeah, look, it, it felt from day one like a for me a magical place. I always felt really good about what we were che- trying to achieve there. I mean, it was to me it was a massive risk when we first opened. I mean, we were doing something that was d- very different from Melbourne twenty years ago. Um, you know, if you look at you know how dining was in 2002 it certainly is nothing like what it is now in melbourne and and um you know i remember you know even having a bar 
you know, which is, you know, really, um, you know, quite normal now where people eat at a bar. But, you know, 20 years ago when we first opened, people didn't want to eat at the bar and it felt a bit stale initially for the first few months until, you know, people started to recognise that, you know, having the same food at the bar, having interaction with your bar barman and, and server across the across the bar having interaction with the person next to you was actually fun and enjoyable and that sort of sense of uh of um of joy can be you know more than just the food on the plate but the whole you know experience um so i mean that's quint- quintessential spanish dining experience you know you go to taberna which i was you know in in several just recently i mean one of the guys across from me i think one of the customers was complaining about somebody you know, leaning over and grabbing something on the food. And the barman said, this is a taberna. You're meant to rub shoulders. You're meant to meet people you don't, you know, usually would rub shoulders with or, or speak to. This is what these places are about. And I think that's kind of the essence of Movida. You know, you do have an experience that you might not, you know, just have by sitting down at a table with yourself and your partner. So for me, that's that still really is maintained. Um, and, you know, and that whole style of sharing food, which creates, you know, more atmosphere as well. Again, that wasn't common 20 years ago. Um, and, and the style of food, I guess, you know, what we do, you know, is, is Spanish food, but it's, it's you know, it's refined or it's it's maybe through a Melbourne lens somehow that it's a little bit different to what you find in Spain, but um, but still very, you know, recognisable. Um, but I think that that style is, has just resonated with with diners. And, yeah, I mean, the, we haven't changed very much. We've, you know, tidied up the toilets <laughs> since we opened and, um, you know, and we've made a couple of touches here and there, but essentially the same same restaurant that we opened 20 years ago um and yeah it just seems to have hit a chord with melbourne diners and i think that style of dining which is now you know um how we like to eat Mm, I love that. Um, I'd love to talk about some of the iconic dishes and, and to ask you if you feel, I don't know, like Sting being ever asked to play Roxanne, like is, are, the, are the hits a burden? Um, so you know which ones we need to talk about. We need to talk about the smoked tomato sorbet with anchovy on toast. And I think even the idea of anchovy on toast, which is <laughs> such a, it's almost a cliche at the moment. Um, it's <laughs> like, it was, it was, yeah, exactly. It was, um, it was, it was a bit radical back in the day. And then we also need to talk about the beef cheek with the cauliflower puree. Let's let's start with those. Um, look, I think you know the smoked uh, tomato sorbet anchovy dish is something that I actually really really enjoy eating even now. That's twenty years on, so it's just strange. It's something that um, you know I've had well you know several times a month, um, and I still really love to eat it and you know if i'm I'm having lunch today with a friend actually that's um it's a spanish chef and we're we're gonna definitely start with that so for me i mean it's a it's it's um you know what represents my vita food really well because it it really is that you know, three ingredients it's bread, anchovies, and tomato, which is a combination that you're gonna find really anywhere in, in the Mediterranean. You know, those those three ingredients go well together in Italian cuisine, Greek cuisine, French cuisine, and obviously Spanish cuisine. But it's just been tweaked and refined a little bit, as I was saying before, is is I guess what we do at Movedo is just, you know, without um, making something unrecognizable, but just giving it some um, added touch. And, you know, that really is a dish that 
represents us really well um, and I think it's delicious. So I certainly have no problem serving that and eating that. Uh, the beef cheek, again, you know, it's one of those dishes that we've had tried to take off the menu here and there, but it's basically been, um, uh, you know, the customers that have kept, you know, wanting us to return it. So, so we, you know, it's, it's a dish that, Fantastic! I love it in winter. I can't. I can't understand why someone would order it in the middle of summer, but they do. It's one of our biggest salads. It's, I mean, it's very simple. It's you know braised beef cheek in a really rich Pedro Jimenez sauce. So you know what's not to love? You know, fall, falls apart in your spoon. You know, it's it's comfort food, but um, but it also I think looks fantastic just in the simplicity of it. One dish I've got to say that's still on the menu that's been on since, what, 2005 or so? Actually won the Good Food Guide um, dish of the year back then, that, um, was, which is a air-cured beef, Wagyu beef, Athena, which is like, um, imagine like, you know, hamon but beef uh, with a, a truffle foam and a poached egg. To be honest, that's one dish I cannot ever eat again in my entire life because it's such an intense flavor. But again, it's something we cannot take off. So certain times we've run out of the Wagyu and we haven't been able to have it on the menu and customers have been in a fury over it. So, um, yeah, so, you know, some dishes that we've had on the menu forever. Yeah, the creme caramel is another one that, you know, I think we do a great job with, which has been... 20 years on our menu, and again, I can eat that, no problems. But, um, but yeah, the, probably the Fathina is the one that uh, I'm definitely sick of, but we won't take off the menu. <laughs> Classic. Well, at least you're not obliged to eat it. No. Um, well, the thing is you've got to taste it, though. That's the problem. And it, it just – yeah. Mm. Um, Frank, tell me about, you know, the many trips to Spain you've taken over the years and, and how they feed into what you do. Um, I guess, you know, the, the last trip I took was the first one since um, COVID, actually, two th- just before COVID 2019, um, was the last one and then just the recent one, um, which i just gotten back from. And, and look, it, it's a little bit of work, so I generally take um, to a food tourist group from Australia. So I did that, but along with that, I always um, end up finding time for the head chefs or managers to come over. So I think all the head chefs have done a, a tour with me to Spain uh, at some stage or other. Um, so basically it's, it's a time to, you know, like just reassess what we're doing at Movida and just, I guess, reset a little bit and just go back to, okay, this is the food that we're representing in a Melbourne context, but have we moved too far? Have we not, you know, sort of given it, um, yeah, I guess the the respect it deserves, while not you know just slavishly copying the dishes. So, I guess yeah, it's, it's for me it's it's refresher. It's also just the time spent with the people we work with. That you know you're having a meal yeah you know, three times a day with them, and you're talking about food constantly. You're talking about wine as well. Um, so it's you know it's just a great opportunity to get away from the restaurant and talk about you know what you actually do because sometimes you just get lost in the in the day-to-day and and the processes and um and and you lose context of what you're trying to do from day one so i guess yeah it's a great reset um it's great fun um yeah it's just been an opportunity this time around to to do that with with new stuff as well we haven't done it with and were there any particular highlights this time um, I guess 
I've noticed a massive difference um, in Spain uh, over the last five years, especially in places like Seville and Madrid, the major centres, where there seems to be a um, a more professional, larger restaurant group sort of um, uh, like a a foothold, I guess, on on the restaurant scene. So what used to be in Seville, you know, lots of mums and dads and little – Restaurants, you can see as you know, lots more larger groups, more professional, more refined, which is good and bad. I mean, I guess you know, it's 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 careers for people. It's you know, um, progression and all all that as well. But it's also you know, a lot of the little places have lost a little bit of the essence because they've yeah, there's a lot few of them. But saying that, I've had some amazing meals in Seville, for instance, uh, Zubana, which is a you know, it, it looks. It's only a um, you know a, a locally owned little restaurant, um, but the food was just you know just that little bit more refined than normal and really classic dishes done very well. So I guess that you know that style of molecular cuisine that was prevalent in the early two thousands in Spain and up until not recently, you're not seeing that anymore, and you're seeing just really well represented classic dishes done very very well with incredible ingredients. And I think that's you know what we try to do, um, and you can see that that is really the what the um, the general theme is in Spain at the moment. From you know the smaller restaurants to the restaurant groups. So yeah, I think the quality has improved, but the um, but you can sort of see the little bit of the you know maybe the authenticity of the of the places has changed. It's really interesting. I mean, I think we've seen a lot of that the same trajectory here with it, it's so hard to run an independent restaurant these days there are a lot more groups and yeah as you say there are pluses and minuses it's great for people to have to be able to see a career path um, with one employer in some ways but um, it is also sad to lose that individuality and that sort of um, that low entry point for people who have something they want to express in a in a restaurant setting it's yeah it's interesting but yeah it's also really interesting to think about Spain was so uh, such so much at the cutting edge of you know what we thought of as contemporary food for for quite a while Um, and as you say that's sort of I don't know that's eased back a little bit perhaps you know people more look to um, to Scandinavia or um, other places to think about that as you know the cutting edge of cuisine but yeah, it's it is it's so interesting to think about. Uh, do you feel like Spanish food here has um, progressed much in the twenty years that or twenty plus years that you've been doing it? Yeah, it has incredibly. Like it's it's yeah had a complete. Um, well, I think Renaissance in, in the the amount of options and and how Spanish food is represented. I mean, you know. It was pretty much, you know, um, tourist food when we started. You know, there was there was Spanish restaurants, but you know, it was gumbas a la here, really bad pay. Uh, you know, it wasn't really. It was the food that when I first started cooking. Actually, when I was still at uni, I was working in a Spanish restaurant in, in Geelong called Bombaleos, for instance. This is a classic example of what Spanish food was, and it was Bombaleo. You know, the Gypsy King song, and that was being played on the, you know, over the over the um, stereo system, and the food was. You know, it was like really bad garlic prawns, really bad paella. And then we'd have every day the most amazing staff meal. Um, so Gerardo was the owner, who was actually a family friend. And, and you know, he'd, he'd make black pudding and he'd, you know, he'd do sauce and all these dishes that were, you know, from his background. 
and absolutely delicious. And I said to him, why don't we why don't we serve this to the customers? Like he goes, oh no, they're never going to like this. This is uh, for us. And so, and I think that you know has definitely changed. So you know the the you know, the authenticity of Spanish food, the diversity of Spanish food is definitely showcased in you know so many restaurants in in Australia, and and also the modernity of Spanish food as well. Um, and the quality of the ingredients, which, you know, when we first started, there was one anchovy in Australia, Ortiz. Now, how many varieties of amazing anchovies are imported and, you know, selection of Spanish wines and, you know, Spanish ham and, you know, just the the, um, the availability of ingredients now, which just never existed 20 years ago is, um, yeah, it's changed completely. I'd love to talk about, you know, how you bring people through the business, how you train, how you retain, um, and how important you think that's been to the longevity of, of your business. Um, I think, you know, for me, um, you know, it's it's all about, I mean, it's a cliche, but it is all about the people in the business. Um, and, you know, that um, I feel very grateful that we've had such longevity in, you know, just about all our senior staff. Like, I mean, obviously, it is hospitality and some staff move on quicker than others. But, you know, when when people are, are with us, they, you know, for a while, they tend to stick around for a very long time after that. So, I mean, one of our staff members, Tuan, is now... And this is his 23 years. He started with us at the Karen Hotel, you know, first ever person I, I hired is still working with us, you know. Yeah, um, you know, and, you know, we've had we had quite a few staff actually leave over COVID. So people that have been with us, like Dave Roberts is the previous head chef. He'd been, you know, 13, 14 years. And um, Ewan Crawford, who um, uh, now has runs Livy, was well, well over 10 years as well. Um, so, but then, you know, we've got a younger crop of, Staff, you know, Adrian who runs my video key, he's you know now yeah was an apprentice, came back, has worked for eight years. Um, yeah, uh, Kane and, and Lily and all these uh, people that have just stuck with. And I don't know why that is. I mean, I think you know it's important to create a, a, a good culture to come back to. I think it's important to look after people and it's important to respect people, and I think that's the key. And then after that, it's really um, you know hoping that we can. You know, instill the 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 culture and the information and the yeah you know, and the support they need to do their job well. So, um, and I think yeah, I mean, it's not me. It's it's not you know my business partner Andy. It's not you know Louisa that runs our you know admin and HR. It's it's all of us and the culture of the place. You know, I think it's a fun place to work, but you know, but we are serious business, and you know, there's. I, I have this sort of, you know, I hate when people call a business a family. It's not a family. It's it's a business. But, you know, we, we yeah, we want to see everyone succeed and do well. And I think that's essential because, you know, the more everyone succeeds and does well, then the more the business succeeds and does well. I'd love to take a moment to acknowledge Lily McGrath, who recently was named um, a, a co-winner of the Age Good Food Guide's Young Chef of the Year alongside Cameron Tayap from Amaru. Tell us about Lily. Uh, well, she's amazing. She's um, been with us, well, as a first-year apprentice. Um, now she's the sous chef um, at Movida um, Original. She's been doing that for several years and like she's like, yeah, the loveliest chef to work with, super creative, but also creates a really good um, dynamic within the kitchen. Like, everyone loves working with her. Um, yes, yeah, I mean, she's gone through a, um, a transition and, you know, and and I think, you know, that's, that's not easy in this industry, I reckon, because it's, you know, um, mostly, 
you know, pretty male-dominated, um, you know, um, blokey sort of environment. Not not as much now as it used to be, but, you know, when she first started, certainly. So, um, oh, I saw she's done it really beautifully and, and yeah, just an asset to to what we do, but also an asset to the business and the culture of the place. So, yeah, she's, um, she's really loved here. That's <laughs> so great. And um, I don't know if you've even had a chance to go to your own Pinchos event at Movida Arque because it started no, while yet. you were away. But I have to tell you, uh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell, tell people about that? Yeah, I mean, um, I just had a uh, a little debrief with the guys that run it, and they they seem to be loving it. So if, if the if the chefs are loving it, then I reckon the customers generally love it as well. So um, yeah, I mean, Saturday lunches was something that we never really opened for at a came. We just thought this is a great great opportunity to do something a little bit different and create something that you know we haven't done before. So so I guess it represents that sort of bar style pincho bar where you know the food's all placed up from the bar you know you help yourself you you, you order drinks at the bar you, you can sit or stand wherever you like it's not you know uh, you know, restaurant it's not meant to be a restaurant experience but it can be if you like um and it's really just you know a whole bunch of food that um uh, our chefs make during the week just made into little pinchos so pincho is like a tapa but with a little stick in it basically and up you go help yourself delicious little morsels i think it's you know, essential that it's done well because it can be you know it can be a, a really bad experience even in spain as well so you know it's all freshly made and delicious food that's um yeah it's just a convenient fun a great way to you know gather with friends or family yeah, well, I've been twice and I've really loved it. And I have to say, um, it's it's better than San Sebastian. I mean, oh, I, really? the experience of San Sebastian is extraordinary and, you know, obviously I love it. Iconic, great. But, um, yeah, just the, I guess, I mean, it's it's at a different price point, but the, the quality of the produce and the creativity and, yeah, just the everything just looks so beautiful. There's definitely, um, yeah, a lot of poise to it. Well, I'm going to have to get to the next one, Danny. Thank you. I'll yeah, you got to get there if you, can, if you can get in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Frank, we had a lot of people, you know, who are, haven't had as much experience in the industry are listening to this, and I would love you to give them advice. Like, what do you think are some of the key lessons you've learnt along the way that have allowed you to be in in the game for so long? Um. I guess, yeah, I mean, for me, I can only speak from my experience that everyone is different and how they, you know, how they travel through this industry. Um, but for me, what I think has helped me is like uh, a sense of authenticity about what I do. So it's something that I, you know, the style of food, the, the, the style of hospitality is definitely coming from a place where I believe it's authentic and I love and I want to do it because I believe in it. I think that if you do something because it's what's um, in fad, what's in fashion, what, um, you know, is, is currently in mode, I don't think that necessarily translates to longevity. I think you need to find something, you know, you have to, you know, interact with those those elements, but you you don't create your business around that. I think you need to find something that, you know, really resounds deeply in you and then that's going to see you through really tough times and, you know, and, and make you make the right decisions. Um, I think, you know, apart from that, you need to also listen to other people and don't believe that you've got all the answers. Um, I think when, like, a, a really good example is when I opened Movida, before we opened in, in the laneway, you know, we would, when my background was fine dining and, and I really, 
you know, wanted to create a fine dining uh, experience. But what I found was the customers were taking the dishes and sharing the dishes. This is when we were in the in the pub in the Carrot. And, and I remember, you know, the guys going, well, why don't we just do that if that's what the customers do? And it's like, okay, that makes sense. And I was trying to get away from there, all the stereotypes of what Spanish food is, you know, tapas and bullfighting and, you know, flamenco music and trying to experience something a bit more, uh, I thought was more, you know, in line with my, uh, you know, my my training and, and heritage. And then realising the customers actually really enjoyed that and then I started enjoying cooking that um, and gave me a sense of more creativity. I guess that's that's another thing, you know, don't be scared to take advice from the customer, from from other people in, in that are involved in the business. Um, but ultimately, yeah, you've got to stick to your vision. Um, that's what you want to do and, and that's how you are going to feel like, you know, you're um, 20 years down the track and still invigorated to go to work. Because if you're just doing it because, you know, that's the, you know, colouring in the dots, then it's not really going to make you want to do it for very long. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's that balance between um, a strong sense of self or a through line. Um, But, yeah, also, I guess, the humility to listen um, and to make changes when you need to. Absolutely. And also understanding your limitations as well. So, I mean, you know... um, I, mean, I was a chef. Uh, I'd never run a business. Knowing that, you know, you needed support from people that knew how to run a business and could show you how to run a business was really essential as well, I think. You know, that, you know, understanding that you don't have all the answers and, you know, there might be people that you need to get some advice from um, and help you sort of structure your business a bit better. So, you know, so it you know has financial longevity as well. So, I think it's essential. Have there been any highlights you can point to along the way? Any pinch me moments where you're like, oh, I can't believe that this is happening? I think the first was when we, well, when we first opened Movita. And I, was, I think I might have explained earlier that, you know, we had, you know, the first initial months that we opened, the dining room was completely full, booked out, and our bar was completely empty. And no, you know, there was people that were coming up and no, no, we don't want to eat at the bar. That doesn't feel like, you know, we're going to have dinner, so we'll go somewhere else. And and then, you know, slowly but surely, um, I remember looking up, you know, a few months and it almost felt like so quite instantaneous looking up from the past and seeing a crowd of people eating and drinking on the bar. In fact, like passing food over their heads to the people behind them, like exactly what would happen in Spain. I go, my God, this is what I wanted to create. And it was like, yeah, it was like a, a tingle, you know, up my backbone going, this is amazing. This is exactly what I wanted to create. And yeah, that was the, um, for me, that essential moment that I realized this could work. Oh, I got a tingle. <laughs> That's so great. I love that. That's amazing. Oh, wonderful. Um, Frank, what a what a great chat. What a useful chat for a lot of people and what a milestone to celebrate. Really appreciate your time and your insights today. And yeah, should we should we toast to the next twenty years? Another twenty years, hopefully. Yeah. Hope I'm still around. Amazing. Love it and congratulations. Thank you, Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta 
at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is